Here we are in the fourth week of Advent, a time as we prepare for the coming of our Lord, a time where we wait, we prepare our hearts. And as you hear the themes each Sunday over the past four Sundays, we've been looking at how we're prepared for different things, prepared for hope, prepared for peace, prepared for joy, but wondering when. And today we look at being prepared for a miracle. And yet, as we look at all of these preparations, as we look at all these things that God is doing on our behalf, which is what we call the gospel, the things God does for us, right? We've been looking at the text in Isaiah, the Old Testament text, not normally where we run to when we think of gospel words. We usually run to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but yet here in the Old Testament, here in the words of the prophet himself, of Isaiah, We hear so many words of what God is promising for the good of his creation. And specifically today, we start to look at a promised miracle, being prepared for a miracle. Now, remember who we're at. Remember who Isaiah is talking to, right? He's talking to King Ahaz, or Ahaz, however we're going to pronounce it. Either one works great. But he's talking to this king, right? A king in the line of David. He's about 11 kings after David. Things have somewhat fallen apart. The kingdom is divided. It's no longer one unified kingdom of Israel, but now you've got Judah in the south. You've got Israel in the north. Neither king is really running things very well. Uh, King Pekah, who is in the northern kingdom of Israel, has made alliances with Syria and Samaria, and they've kind of gone off the rails a bit too and followed other gods. And now you've got Ahaz sitting in Judah, sitting in Jerusalem, sitting in David's city, wondering what direction to go. You see, you've got different countries on each side, different nationalities on each side, which are all warring, and the peace between Israel and Judah really isn't there anymore either, so they're not friendly. You've got the Edomites on the east, you've got the Philistines and the Phoenicians on the west, on the coast, all kind of fighting and vying for this land in between, and Judah's stuck in the middle. And so Ahaz has a couple of options. He can look to the God of his father's, Look to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh. Look to David's God, right? But he says, no, you know, that really hasn't worked out for us so far, so I'm going to look to some of these other foreign gods as we have been because it's helped Israel out. They seem to be doing all right, and they're not following Yahweh anymore, so we're just going to run down this road of following some foreign gods, and then he picks an alliance with Assyria. It was not a friendly kingdom. At all. But he saw their power and he saw their might, and he figured if he made things right with them, maybe it would be okay. See, he had it all under control. He had his direction, he had his plan, he had everything worked out in the wisdom of what he could figure out, and figured this was the best political, military, and power route to survive. The trouble is, like I said, Assyria and the king of Assyria were ruthless, bad folks. So Ahaz wanted to get in the good graces. He actually took things from the temple that Solomon had built. They had been the house 
of God, the presence where God had said, I will be present here in this place amongst your people in this land, that will be my home. And Ahaz took things out of that temple to give them to the king of Assyria as a peace offering, as a gift, gold, other treasured items, many certain things out of this house. And Ahaz would go and worship other gods throughout the hills. He went his own way. And now Isaiah comes in. Isaiah, who got to be a prophet for about four different kings or so. And he comes up to Ahaz and he says, Hey, ask anything of your God, the God of this people. Ask anything of God, as deep as you can imagine in Sheol, which is like the nether of everything, and as high as heaven. Ask for anything. It was a moment of offering repentance. It was a moment to offer Ahaz to say, I've gone the wrong way. I will rely on God. Yet, that's not what Ahaz did. See, the prophets, right, are the ones that get to speak for God. They're the mouthpiece of God. They're the ones that carry God's word into a situation. And God's first word into the situation where everything is broken and someone is completely sinful and going absolutely the opposite direction, the first word is, what can I do for you? What do you want from me? Ask it. As big as you can imagine, ask it. And Ahaz said, I will not test the Lord. Which sounds very pious and good as far as saying, you know, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. I'm not going to uh, see what he can do for me or anything like that. But really, he was saying, I don't want his word to shape my life. Because if I ask something of him, I'm going to have to listen to him. And I don't want to listen to him. I've got it figured out. I've got my way. I don't need that word to shape the direction we're going because I already have a direction that we're going and I've already got this figured out, so I don't need to hear God's word. There's times in life maybe we do the same. I've got this figured out, God. I don't need your word right now. i got the direction I'm going to go. I've made the decisions I'm going to make. I've got it all figured out. And yet in that moment, Isaiah was trying to prepare him for a miracle. See, here's the beauty of what God does in the midst of all of that, right? Isaiah doesn't then say, all right, fine, I'm not going to worry about you. I'm going to go another place and go talk to someone else. No, he says, look, you didn't ask for anything, but I still got a miracle for you. You ready for it? Here it comes. The virgin's going to give birth to a son, and you're gonna, that son's name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Ahaz, even though you don't want to hear from the word of God, God's going to come and be present with his people once again. God's going to take care of it. God's going to save everybody. God's going to take everything that's broken and make it right. He's going to be present in the midst of his people, and this is what it's all going to look like. It sounds too amazing to be true. See, and in our day and age, we hear those things, something about a virgin birth or a miraculous thing or a miracle going on, and maybe we try to explain it away. 
try to explain it away and say, no, there's some natural occurrence for that. Maybe we run to some scientific explanation of something and we take some of those miracles and we just kind of wash them under the bridge and we say, well, we don't experience those things now, so they must not have happened back then either. See, because if something miraculous happens, then maybe God's real, true, has power over his creation. But if he has power over his creation, then us in that creation need to live under that power, and sometimes we don't want that. So as Isaiah talks to Ahaz, see, the prophecy things are always very interesting because he's talking about this virgin birth, he's talking about this stuff that's coming, and as the prophets are given this word, you kind of have to imagine like a mountain range far off, right? As you drive up to that mountain range, there's mountains that are closer, there's mountains that are further, but from a far distance, as you look at them, they all kind of look like they're in the same line. That's kind of what's going on with Isaiah. See, because right after this time frame, a young lady, which is another way that you can translate that word for virgin, a young lady does give birth to a son, and that son does end up doing something helpful within the nation. And that's kind of the early fulfillment of those words. But the later fulfillment of those words, the full fulfillment, I guess, <laughs> a way to use words in that way, a full way to say it is when we see Jesus come, right? Jesus in the midst, again, of brokenness, in the midst of a nation that isn't all together, in the midst of all of that, an angel Gabriel. Another messenger from God, a, a, another mouthpiece of the Lord comes to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have a kid. And she says, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> Young, but I know it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and he said, no, no, the Holy Spirit's going to come and overpower you, overshadow you, and you are going to carry the Lord. Can you imagine hearing those words, women? that are here. Can you imagine in your youth now, in that culture, it was a very proper time for her to be betrothed and very proper time for the stage of life that she was in. But could you imagine an angel coming to you on your own saying, you are going to carry the son of God. Now, I know you all love your children. And if you have boys, maybe you thought they were the gift from God that, but very different gift going on here. Okay. Very, very different thing. This is actually the Lord, the son of God from eternity coming in to be in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the one who is coming to save his people. A miracle. Again, here's this miracle presented to Mary. Just like Isaiah went to Ahaz and said, hey, ask anything of God and it'll happen. Here's an angel saying, hey, Mary, here's what's going to happen. She could say, no, no. She said, let it be done to your servant. A young lady shaped by God's word, shaped by what he had for her, having no idea what the future was going to look like in the midst of that, other than the fact that God was in control and God had it covered. A miracle, beautiful miracle of God wrapped in flesh. God in the midst of his people, God coming to take his wrath away from us so that he could hand us life, so he could hand us grace, so he could hand us mercy. 
a miracle poured over your head in the waters of baptism. As those same promises, the promise that was made to Ahaz through Isaiah of a Savior to come, the promise that was made to Mary in the midst of the angel's words of Jesus coming for his people, that same, very same promise spoken over you, a Savior for you, a Savior taking your sins on his shoulders, a Savior who is present and living for you, a Savior who will come again. Because that's the next promise, right? As Jesus came to take our sins upon his shoulders and hand us forgiveness, that same Jesus then promises to come again to do away with all of the things that are hurtful, to do away with death, to do away with sickness, to do away with depression, to do away with addictions, to do away with all the things that break us. All those same promises that Isaiah was speaking when he would talk about hope in the future to come with our Lord and peace where lions lay down with lambs and death is undone and joy where heavens are singing. And this Sunday... And Tuesday night, as we sit on Christmas Eve, we look at love. The love of God for his creation. The love of God for you. The love of God poured out in Jesus Christ upon the cross. And the love of God as he rose again to bring you peace. To bring you joy. And to bring you hope. Hope in the promises of God that are ever true and ever-present in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us, for all of the actions you have taken throughout history for our benefit. From the days of Adam and Eve, where you first promised the coming Savior, to the words of the prophets that point to that same Savior, to the coming of Jesus, to walk and be our Savior, and to the coming day that we look forward to, well, he will come again and gather his people unto himself, where we will enjoy your presence amongst your creation, walking with our loved ones who have died in faith, and for all those to come baptized in your name as well. In your son Jesus' name, we praise and thank you. Amen.